0: Amen. Great job, Norma and Patty. And isn't it great to see Merla with us today? Merla, we love you. Love you very much. Hey, grab your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Peter. But before we dive into the message, I did want to talk briefly about my upcoming trip to India. Many of you have asked questions. I jump on a train in Lincoln at 9 a.m. Tuesday. I fly out of O'Hare, in Chicago at 7 p.m. Tuesday. We're headed to Zurich, Switzerland. We'll be there for an hour and 55 minutes. Get on another plane, and I will arrive in New Delhi, India at 1 a.m. Thursday. Sleep for a couple hours, get on a plane about 11 a.m., and take two more flights to Imphal. It's in the Manipur region, the far northwest, northeast, excuse me, part of India, almost to China. And I will be there for five days, the Kooky Christian Convention, and it's not kooky as in you're a kooky person, but K U K I. Some people have asked me if there was a a reason that I was speaking to the Kooky Christians. Um, You'll get it in a little bit. the uh, The convention begins Friday night, the twenty first, and goes through Sunday, the twenty third. There'll be five different main sessions. And I'm speaking at four of the five. We will travel back to New Delhi late Monday, spend a day seeing the sights, jump on a plane at 3 a.m., and I will be home uh, to Chicago sometime, hopefully, if all the travel works out, uh, sometime mid-afternoon on Thursday, catch a train out of Chicago, and hopefully I'll be at my house sometime around 10 p.m., Thursday night. So I would appreciate your prayers. I'm very much looking forward to this. T. Lung Kim has been at our church, I believe, multiple times. Is that right, JD? I know he's been here at least a couple times since uh, since I've been on the ministry team here at Clinton. Looking forward to to spending time with hundreds of Indian Christians who love Jesus and are making a difference. So next Sunday. Uh, Think of us as you gather for worship. We'll be actually wrapping up the convention. I believe the time difference is about 12 hours. They're 12 hours ahead of us uh, in uh, M-Fall. We we are uh, winding to a conclusion our series through the book of 1 Peter, but we're not done yet. We still have three messages left. Today we're going to look at um, a middle section in chapter 4. Next week, Doug Maris who has been our excellent walk through the Bible instructor. He'll be preaching next week. The the last part of chapter 4, he's going to talk about suffering. He's going to talk about the pain that that we endure as Christians sometimes. Uh, The tag phrase is, do not be surprised at the suffering that you're enduring. Um, Two weeks from today, March 2nd, will be our pulpit exchange. Cama has once again brought out the pulpit exchange, and Scott Marsh from Texas Christian Church will be here that morning. Scott is an excellent communicator. He will do a great job preaching. And then we'll wrap up First Peter series on Sunday, March the 9th, as we look at what it means to lead and what it means to follow. Here's where we've been up to this point. The first week, we looked at the great gift that God has given us, that living hope, that new birth, that inheritance that'll never perish, spoil, and fade. Week two, we talked about what it means to be holy. Because of this great gift of salvation, we're called to be holy. And we determined that if we try to be a little bit more like Jesus every day, In the way we live our lives, we're on that road to holiness. Week three was all about the fact that we are the people of God. We're a chosen people. It's adoption language. Week four, biblical submission leads to freedom. Last week, we talked about evangelism and the importance of telling the story of Jesus. The key verse from last week was always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And today we look at five verses of Scripture nestled in the middle of chapter 4, a message entitled, Above All, The Exposed Community of Christ. The Exposed Community of Christ. So what I want you to do right now on your outline, I've given you a blank. You can talk to your neighbor about this. You can do this by yourself. What's the ideal community of Christ look like? Maybe you come up with one-word answers, maybe sentences. If you were to describe the ideal community of Christ, what's it look like? Ready, set, go. The ideal community of Christ. The ideal community of Christ. If we were going to get the whiteboard and we were to just draw up what the ideal community of Christ looks like, what would it look like? Someone in a big, booming voice Give me an answer what the ideal community of Christ looks like. Love? Loving others more than ourselves? Outreach? Being available? I, I, a little louder. Rejoicing, being people that rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it, rejoice. That'd make a great Bible verse, by the way. The ideal community of Christ, that is a Bible verse. The ideal community of Christ is what we should strive for. Now, here's the catch. You're a human, I'm a human. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We all have our glitches. We all make mistakes. We all act in ways that we don't want to. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7? I don't do the things I should do and I do the things I don't want to do. Every one of us, if we're being honest, could say at some point in our life, maybe this week, maybe this morning, that defines us. I do the things I don't want to. And the things I don't want to be and I don't want to do, I become. The Apostle Paul said that. So we're never going to reach the ideal community of Christ. But I think we should try. I think we should strive. I think it should be our goal. And the five verses of Scripture that I'm getting ready to read, verses 7 through 11 of chapter 4, are not the flashiest verses that you'll read in 1 Peter. They're probably not the verses that would come to mind if you grabbed a New Testament scholar and said, give us the nuggets in First Peter. But I believe they are five of the very most important verses that we will study through this entire series because it's great to talk about being holy It's great to talk about the gift of heaven. It's great to talk about that we're the people of God. We have to talk about telling the story of Jesus. But if it's only a Sunday morning thing, if it's only a Wednesday night thing, if we act one way in here and another way when we leave the doors of this church, we're kidding ourselves if we think we're ever going to make a difference for Jesus Christ. I heard the other day, that it takes a year to build integrity with somebody who is not a Christian. A year. And it can take a couple minutes to destroy that integrity. Just a couple minutes. So we need to be serious about being the community of Christ that we are called to be. Let's look at God's Word, 1 Peter 4, beginning with verse 7. Peter writes, The end of all things is near, therefore be self—excuse clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as the one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord, 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. And so today's message really is simply about what does it mean to be the community of Christ? What does the exposed community of Christ look like? And and the first staple from our passage of of Scripture today is that the exposed community of Christ should be a community that is passionate about prayer. A community that is passionate about prayer. The last part of verse 7 says, Therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so you can pray. Do you find that verse humorous? I almost laugh out loud when I read that verse. Not because we shouldn't be clear-minded, we should be. Not because we shouldn't be self-controlled, we should be. Not because we shouldn't pray, we should pray. I almost laugh out loud because it's the Apostle Peter that's writing this. See, this was the Peter in the Gospels who was Mr. Roller Coaster. He was on the mountaintop spiritually. He was down in the valley. He's the guy that in Mark chapter 1, when it says that Jesus got up very early in the morning to go off in solitude to pray. You remember what Peter said to him? Peter didn't say, can I join you and we can be brothers in prayer together. You remember what he said? Look it up. 1 Peter 1, beginning with verse 35, he says, what are you doing? Everyone's been looking for you. Let's go. We've got ministry to do. We've got healings to do. We've got sermons to preach. What are you doing, sitting on the countryside praying all alone. But see, Peter has learned a valuable life lesson, watching Jesus Christ, and 30, 35 years later, toward the end of Peter's life, he understands that before I can preach, I need to pray, before I can do ministry. I need to pray. And for some of us, if we're not careful, praying is just something that we just kind of mail in. We're just doing it without even thinking about it. We gather our kids or our grandkids around the table. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. Hey, I prayed today. And Peter's saying, clear your mind. Peter's saying, get yourself under control so you can pray. I think the last time that Peter really watched Jesus pray was in the garden. And Peter failed that test. Jesus said, stand watch with me. Peter couldn't stay awake. Had a couple warnings, couldn't stay awake. And so now, late in his life, Peter is challenging Christ followers in the first century. He's challenging Christ followers like you and me to be clear-minded, to be self-controlled so you can pray. Is prayer a priority? Is prayer a staple of your life? Are you a Christian that spends a lot of time worrying and no time praying? Or do you cast all your cares on Him, the Lord, because He cares for you? A community passionate about prayer. Secondly, the exposed community of Christ should be a community committed to the love of God, committed to love. I love verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply. Above all, love each other deeply. Uh, It is easy to talk about love. It's easy to sing about love. It's easy to preach sermons on love because love is talked about over and over and over again in the New Testament. There are an unbelievable number of rich theological passages that detail the love of God. But friends, if we don't practice love, we're just going through an intellectual exercise. If we don't take time to work at loving one another deeply, we are kidding ourselves. And so I have a challenge for you. I want you to target a brother or sister in Christ that you are frustrated with. And I know some of you are saying, how can I be frustrated with any of my brothers and sisters in Christ? One person, maybe not even in this church, but someone that you are very frustrated with. They have offended you. Maybe they bother you. Maybe you don't like the sweaters that they wear. Something along those lines. And I want you to work this week on loving them deeply. You may say, what's that look like? I, I don't know. Maybe it means words of encouragement. Words of affirmation. Maybe it means simply reaching out and letting them know that you care for them. Maybe it means working hard to care for them. Working hard to make sure that the conversations that you have are conversations of love. I am so thankful that so many in this church embody this idea of I want to love one another deeply. I want to have this passion for love. Where are you at? Where's your heart? Will you work hard on loving someone deeply? I think of Jesus and his last encounter with the disciples before it all went crazy on that Thursday night. We know about the Lord's Supper, but John gives us this great account of Jesus washing the disciples' feet in John chapter 13. And that was so countercultural for the master to, to, to wash the students' feet. It's the other way around, we see it the other way around in Scripture. But here Jesus says, let me model for you what love is all about. Will you wash someone's feet? You may say, well, that, that'd be kind of gross, wouldn't it? I don't mean literally take off their shoe and take off their sock and smell that odor and wash their feet. I'm saying maybe there's someone that needs their driveway shovel. Just go do it. Maybe there's someone that needs help transporting the kids because they're a single mom trying to do life on their own. Just go help them. Maybe there's someone that's struggling financially. You don't need a bunch of fanfare. You don't need to break your arm patting yourself on the back. Just bless them quietly. Love one another deeply. The exposed community of Christ should be passionate about prayer. It should be committed to the love of God. The the, the focused community of Christ should be focused on forgiveness, practicing forgiveness. Look at verse 8. It says, above all, love each other deeply because... Love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Forgiveness is one of those subjects that is just, it's tough. It is tough for for anyone to forgive. I think it's tough for Christians to forgive. But we are the exposed community of Christ when we are focused on forgiveness. I want to challenge you to think of someone in your life right now that you are holding a grudge against, that you are bitter toward, that you are struggling with. Maybe you have justification. Maybe they have really wronged you. Maybe they have really treated you poorly. Can I challenge you to forgive? Can I challenge you to be the bigger person? can I challenge you to let go and to practice forgiveness? See, the reality of it is when we refuse to be people that offer forgiveness and we carry the banner of Christianity, you're known as a Christ follower and you refuse to forgive, you harm your testimony as a follower of Jesus Christ. You know why that is? Because the person that had the right to hold a grudge more than anyone else, Jesus Christ, on the cross, fully God, fully man, perfect in every way, he was executed for no reason. A criminal was set free. And what did he say on the cross? He said, God blast them good with a lightning bolt, right? No, he didn't say that. What did he say? Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they are doing. Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they are doing. I'll never forget my first encounter with t Kim. I was with J.D. Harold, and he was here in October of 2000 and 2007 for a mission fair, And he had been held captive for over two months by guerrillas, like a year and a half earlier. And I'm thinking, this is a guy that's got a right to be bitter. This is a guy that's got a right to be angry. Taken from his family and held at gunpoint for two months. I probably shouldn't be sharing this illustration as I get ready to go to India, should I? It's not a good idea. I'm glad my wife's not in here. You know what his words to me were? Well, of course I forgive him. I just hope they fall in love with Jesus. I just hope they fall in love with Jesus. A community focused on forgiveness. Well, the ideal community of Christ are made up of people that are passionate about prayer and committed to the love of God and practicing forgiveness. What about people that are serious about intentional hospitality? A community that that provides intentional hospitality. I love verse nine. It's a simple verse. It's easy to miss it. And yet for some of you, this could almost be a life verse in many ways. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I love First Christian Church of Clinton. It's the best church I've ever been a part of. I don't say that to puff you up. I don't say that so that you'll walk out and go to the coffee shop and say, we've got the best church. That's not what it's about. But I love the passion for hospitality that this church has embodied at least for seven and a half years. As long as I have been here, this church has had a passion for hospitality. And that hospitality shows itself in a variety of different ways. I mean, I'll give you one example. Last week, I made the, uh, I made the plea for some neckties. I said, I'm going to India. I'm going to visit the Trulock Seminary. I'd like to take each seminary student a necktie. I'll meet probably 20, 25 seminary students. How cool would it be if First Christian Church of Clinton could present a nice necktie to the 25 students of the Trulock Seminary? And guess what? They're not going to get a necktie. They're going to get about 10 neckties because I am swimming in ties. I mean, literally, my office has bags and bags and bags of ties. And that's awesome. Praise the Lord. I know people that went out and bought neckties and said, I don't want to give a used necktie. Don't give me any more ties, by the way. I'm in good shape on the ties. Well done, church. That's one way, one small way that we can be serious about hospitality. I think of our funeral dinners. I think of our our wedding ministry. I, I think of people that greet you at the door. Some of you aren't good on ice. Uh, None of us are probably good on ice. Some of us may be better than others, but I think of people that wait at the door and park cars and shake hands and greet and love. I mean, we've had some awful Sundays weather-wise, have we not? And you know, if I'm a Danny Bundy, I might just take a Sunday off, you know, when it's snowing and there's ice and he's out there, coat, gloves, earmuffs, the whole deal, greeting people, helping people. Wouldn't it be cool if we had five of Danny's on Sundays out there? Offer intentional hospitality to one another without grumbling. I've said it before that I think um, many people, maybe most people, fall in love with the church. Maybe not fall in love with Jesus, but fall in love with the church. Not because of sermons that are preached, even though I think they're very important. Not because of lessons that are taught, even though I think studying God's Word is important. Not because of choir specials that are presented, even though we we love to hear God's word proclaimed through the singing of songs. It's when people say, I want to be Jesus with skin. I want to reach out and meet a need. I, I have had people come up to me with tears in their eyes and say, why are the Christians in this church so incredibly loving? Why did I receive this in the mail, this blessing? Why did they cook a funeral dinner for my family when none of us go to FCC? Why? And the answer is always really simple because Jesus loves you and we do too. Intentional hospitality without grumbling. The community of Christ should be passionate about prayer, should be committed to love, should be passionate in practicing forgiveness should be focused on intentional hospitality, and then finally, the community of Christ should be touching lives through Christian ministry, through meaningful Christian ministry. I I love how verses 10 and 11 wrap up this passage of Scripture. It says, each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Number five, a community touching lives through intentional ministry. Through intentional ministry. If you are a Christian, God has gifted you. And some of us are gifted in ways that others are not. And some of the gifts are more, are more high profile than others. Will you use the gifts that God has given you to make a difference? Will you use the gifts that God has given you to bring glory, first of all, to Him, but to help tell the story of Jesus to a world that is watching? We've talked uh, repeatedly in 2014 about outside the box ministries. And we've got some really cool outside-the-box ministries uh, unfolding, events, opportunities to to reach out and to love people. I would love for you to come to me with a creative outside-the-box ministry that you want to see take place. I'm not saying we can do everything. I'm not saying that everything is possible. But let's look seriously at saying, God, you've gifted me. Let me use this gift For your glory. The exposed community of Christ should be a community that people can't wait to be around, can't wait to experience. I've shared this illustration before. Some of you will recognize it, but I absolutely love it. And I know many of you have not heard it. It's written by the author Robert Roberts. What a name. And he writes about a fourth grade class where the teacher of the class introduced the game Balloon Stomp. And the game Balloon Stomp is played like this. A balloon is tied to every fourth grader's leg, and the object of the game is to pop everyone else's balloon while protecting your own balloon, and the last person with an intact balloon wins. And so the typical fourth graders were given the instructions, and the game commenced, And Roberts writes that the spirit of the game, in one word, would be vigor. Balloons were relentlessly targeted and destroyed. A few of the children clung to the sidelines like wallflowers at a junior high dance. But their balloons were doomed just the same. He writes that the entire battle was over in a matter of seconds leaving only one balloon inflated. Its owner was, of course, the most disliked kid in the class. And he writes, it's really hard to win at a game like Balloon Stomp. In order to complete your mission, you have to be pushy, rude, and offensive. But Roberts goes on to write that a second class was introduced on the same day to the same game only this time it was a class of mentally handicapped children. They were given the same explanation as the first class, and the signal to begin was given. But the game proceeded much differently this time. Perhaps the instructions were given too quickly for children with learning disabilities to grasp them, but the one idea that got through was that the balloons were supposed to be popped. And so it was the balloons and not the other players that were viewed as the enemies. Instead of fighting each other, they started helping each other pop their balloons. One little girl knelt down and held her balloon carefully in place, like a holder for a field goal kicker. A little boy stomped it flat. Then he knelt down and held his balloon for her. And it went on like this for several minutes until all the balloons were vanquished and everybody cheered and everybody won. And so we ask the question, who got the game right? In our world, we tend to think of another person's success as one less opportunity for us to succeed. There can only be one top dog, one top banana, one big kahuna. If we ever find ourselves In that enviable position of top dog, we will fight like crazy to maintain our hold on it. A lot of companies have failed to enjoy the prolonged success that they could have because the people in charge have the balloon stomp mentality. But in the church, the rules should change. Jesus Christ should get top billing. I'm just here. You're just here to serve his purposes. And we do that most effectively by humbling ourselves and elevating others. We do that best when we love one another deeply, when we're willing to forgive, when we intentionally reach out and touch others, when we use the gifts that God has given us For his glory. And so the bottom line this morning. First Christian Church of Clinton. Should be a difference. Making community. Exposed. For everyone. To see. I love how this passage of scripture ends. The end of verse 11. Peter says. To him. Be the glory. And the power. Forever and ever. Amen. The ideal community of Christ, I don't know if we'll ever get there, but let's do our best to be exposed so more and more people will say, I love Jesus because of him, because of her, because of them. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for a passage of scripture that has legs and has feet. It's achievable. It'll be difficult. But help us to be people who love people. Help us to be people who are not afraid to say, it's not about us. It's all about you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.